Well, church family, I want to let you know that today is an exciting day for me because today I get the privilege and honor of starting off a new sermon series that's going to carry us through the majority of this fall season together. We're calling it 10 Words, and we selected 10, not because there's anything magical about that number, but because we thought that, that would be a good length of time for us to spend meditating and focusing and concentrating on some of the words, most of the words that we find in the New Testament. And these words have a lot of rich depth and meaning. And we're really excited about getting to talk about these words together and share with you some of the passages of Scripture that you can find these words in. And we think it will be a real benefit to us, a real blessing to us. And let me go ahead and tell you that the goal of this series, uh, up front, I want to let you know that the goal of this series is to help us love God and to love one another better. Now, we're going to focus on these particular words, and they're going to have really uh, interesting things that we're going to share with you about each of these words, interesting passages. But what the goal really is, is to take these words and allow them to change our hearts and to change our minds. Perhaps they already have been changing our hearts and minds for some period of time, so that we can better love God and love our neighbor. Uh, that is really what this whole journey is all about. Jesus summed it up, and he said that all the law and all the prophets, all of Scripture, can be summed up in those two commandments. And so that's what we want to do with this series, we want to learn from these words how we can better love each other and how these words can inspire us to do that, and I think that they will. Uh, so today we're going to be starting with uh, a word that seems to come naturally because it comes in the beginning uh, of, of our New Testament. It comes in the beginning. In fact, uh, it comes. It references to the beginning of all of Scripture. And so we're going to be talking today about the word logos, which of course can be found in the Gospel of John. And uh, so if you have a Bible today and you want to turn over to the Gospel of John, chapter one, uh, that's where we're going to be starting here in just a few moments. But I do want to let you know I'll give you a little preview. Uh, what some of these words will be so that you can be preparing for it mentally, getting excited for it while you're turning over to John chapter 1. Uh, which, by the way, before I tell you what the words are, if you don't have a Bible today and you want to look in the queue in front of you, uh, there should be a Bible right there, and you can turn over to page 1,645, and hopefully that will save you some time searching for where John is in that particular Bible. Uh, but some of the words that we're going to be focusing on and talking about during this series, uh, I'm just going to give you a handful of them because uh, we don't want to... Uh, play our hands too quickly and tell you what they all are, because then you won't come for the next 10 weeks. Uh, but uh, some of the words that we're going to be talking about that we're really excited about are words uh, like the word love. And of course, there's a couple of different words used in the New Testament to talk about love. So we'll be talking about the idea of love. We're going to talk about the idea of the church, uh, this fantastic Greek word that we get for church uh, that has come to define who we are. We're going to talk about things like sin. We're going to talk about practices that we can engage in, uh, things like community and hospitality. And so those are just a handful of the words that you're going to get a chance to hear about over the next couple of weeks, and we're really looking forward to this study. And hopefully you have turned over to the Gospel of John by now, and I want to invite our brother Dan Howard to come on up, and he's going to read for us from John chapter 1, starting in verse 1, all the way through verse 18. So here are these words from the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. 
The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Brother Dan, I appreciate you reading that for us together today. So, our passage for today is a fascinating passage, at least it is to me. And I want to spend some time breaking down some of these phrases. You saw some of them on the screen behind us. And so I want to start where John starts. Uh, because this is really important for John's gospel, for understanding what he's trying to do across the whole story of his uh, recount of the life of Jesus. So in the beginning, he says, in the beginning, and he automatically should call our attention back to the book of Genesis, uh, the book that starts all scripture off, and John wants to reference this because he wants us to know something very important, something that has existed from all time. And so John says, in the beginning, and our minds are hopefully drawn back to that first opening chapter in the book of Genesis. And our minds are reminded of the story of God creating the heavens and the earth and each day of creation. But before those days of creation begin, before there is anything in all of the world, John wants us to know in the beginning he wants us to think about what existed from all time. And of course this has been a dilemma for children's classes for hundreds and hundreds of years. I'm not sure children's classes have existed for that long. But however long they have existed, whenever you have volunteered at your church in a children's class, and Miss Shaleen assigns you Genesis 1, chapters 1 and 2, you have that moment internally where you begin to cringe because you know it's a beautiful story, it's a wonderful story of the creation of the world, but you just know that there's going to be at least one kid in the class who asks you, who created God? Because in the beginning it says God created the heavens and the earth, and the student wants to know, well, if in the beginning God created, then who created and so, of course, John wants to bring our attention to this whole situation. And, and, and nobody was there at the moment of creation, right? That, that's what the story seems to tell us, that nobody was already there except for God alone. But if there had been somebody there, if there had been a historian, if there had been somebody who was making a documentary or, or writing all this down, if they could have said anything before they wrote the words in the beginning, I think that they would have simply wrote, written the word, God. Whoever that person was, that person that doesn't really exist at all, of course, but if they were there, if somebody had been there at that moment in the beginning, the only thing that they could have said was God. And John brings our attention back to this because he wants to remind us of what happens at the very start of everything is that God is present somehow. God is there. 
And of course, when we teach this to our children in children's classes, uh, we, we tend to say something along the lines of, well, no one created God. God has always existed. And of course, that kind of confounds the minds of these children. They kind of wonder about that. They think, well, that doesn't make sense. If somebody created everything, then who created somebody who created everything? Uh, there always has to be a line, a trail for us to follow all the way back. But John wants to remind us, in the beginning, God. And if anyone had been there to tell us about those days before the creation began, all that they would have been able to say was God. But John continues. He doesn't end his gospel there with just those three simple words. He continues on. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so if we back up and we go all the way back to that moment, we wish that there had been somebody there who could record those events, who could write it down, who could film it. John tells us that, no, they couldn't have only said God. They could have said God and Jesus. Because, of course, this is the word that John is talking about. This is the logos, the logic, the, the thing that makes everything in the universe make sense is Jesus. And John begins to tell us about this Jesus. And he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so if someone had been there at the very beginning to record all of this, they could have said God and Jesus. And it's amazing because John tells us that this is not two separate things. But somehow God and Jesus are one thing. That God is there, and of course so is Jesus, because they are one and the same. And so John continues on, and he tells us that when we go back to the beginning, and we read these words in the beginning, our minds and our hearts should begin to be changed. And we should focus again on new ideas and new things, because what we understand in the person of Jesus is that something new is taking place. But in fact, it's not something new at all. It's something that has existed for all of time. From the time when you can say God, you can also say Jesus. Now, I told you John has some amazing things to say in this opening section that we've just heard. And of course, if John would stop there, that would be plenty for us to think about this morning. But John continues. This is just the first verse. He continues and he says things like, Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing has been made that has been made. Which is kind of a confusing sentence. I probably would have reworded it and said it a little bit differently myself. But John is this fantastic storyteller. And so he goes back to the beginning. And he says, Remember that time when all you could think of was God? And well, I'm going to add Jesus to that, because of course God and Jesus are the same thing, but not only that, I'm going to say that Jesus is the person who's holding everything together. That somehow, in the creation story, in the creation moment, when all that exists is God and there's nothing else, there is also Jesus, but this Jesus is holding everything together. He's bringing it all in together. And as I thought about this, I thought about a couple of terrible analogies, and I would like to share these terrible analogies with you this morning, and perhaps one of them will connect, and perhaps some of them will can simply laugh at and say, you foolish creature. That's a terrible analogy. And I welcome it this morning. But when John writes these words, it's as if he's telling us that Jesus is the motor that keeps the engine of the universe running. It's as if he tells us that Jesus is the glue that is holding all things together. And especially if you think of when you were a parent, perhaps, helping your child build their science fair project and the night before it all comes crumbling down. Well, you glue it back together. That's Jesus. He's the glue holding all things together. But not only that, Jesus is the force by which the earth rotates around the sun. Somehow Jesus is the one who's guiding the planets and helping them to move around the sun. Some of you may appreciate this one. Jesus is the rotary around which we dial the numbers on the telephone. 
I've never done it myself, but I'm sure it's a fantastic trick. <laughs> Jesus is the center of the wheel, and all of the spokes are attached to Jesus. Mother Mark Drew, this one's for you, although I think you might be back counting the collection. But Jesus is the better version of Jerry Jones, for which all the rest of us are the better version of the Dallas Cowboys. I told you, they're terrible analogies. This one might get me into some trouble. Jesus is the better social media platform around which the White House correspondents are waiting for their daily news of what is going on. But he's the better version of it, don't worry. Jesus is the inexplicable magnetism that connects a teenager to their cell phone. There's something about having that phone in your hand, right? And somehow Jesus is the one who holds it all together. Jesus is the algorithm that Amazon uses to deliver you the personalized advertisement for the thing that you don't actually need, but you really want. And Jesus is the one who does that for us. He is the one who does that for the things that we do actually need as well. I hope that you understand what John is trying to say, and that I can stop with these terrible analogies, because they really are terrible. But when John begins his gospel, he wants us to know that somehow, if someone had been there to record it, to tell us what was going on in the beginning, that person could have said God, and they could have said Jesus. And somehow those two things aren't two things, they're one thing. And Jesus, this logos, this word, who's there from the beginning, is holding all of creation together. He is the one guiding us around all of creation, centers upon him. John continues, he, he says that uh, in him was life. And that life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood. He continues and he tells us about this light and this life, and they're somehow bound together with the word, the Logos, who Christ is. Christ is light, and he is life. And John says that if someone had been there, they could have said God, and they could have said Jesus, and they could have said that Jesus is holding all things together. But not only that, they could also tell us that Jesus is the one who's pushing back the darkness and bringing in more light. Now, this is one of those moments when you're reading scripture, and if you're like me, sometimes you read scripture and you get a little personally offended. And I, I tend to think that this is one of those places where you get a little offended. Because what John has just said is that in Christ alone is light. Everything else is in darkness. Now, I think if you read that, and you read it a little personally, you might read that you and me are darkness. But here's the good news, and here's where the gospel comes in, because we're just four verses in to John's gospel. He's already beginning to tell us that Jesus is pushing back the darkness, and he's bringing light and life into our world, into our lives. And where once before there was only darkness, now there's light. He continues on in a couple verses down in verse 14. He says the word, again using that word logos, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He continues to tell this story, this revelation of who Jesus is, that all the way back from the beginning of time, Christ has existed. But not only that, now Jesus is coming to live among us. He's coming to live among us. He's coming towards us. This is the God who was there at the creation moment. Somehow John tells us the word became flesh. And he is dwelling here and now. With us. And so, if we're paying attention, if we're following the story, if someone had been there to record the events of creation, they would have said God, they would have said Jesus, 
And they would have said that somehow these two things aren't two things, they're one thing. And Jesus is the one who's holding all of the world together. And he's bringing light and life to us. But of course, we're not quite done yet. I have more to say. And John certainly has more to say to us this morning because he continues on. And we get, when we get to verses 17 and 18, John begins to tell us about things that we thought we already knew about. We thought we already knew about this law that God had given us. And when you look at verse 17, John tells us we thought we understood the law, but there's more to it. Because we haven't inserted Jesus into the story yet. And so the law, while it's good, it doesn't bring life. It brings darkness. And so he says, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. You see, we thought we could see God through the law. That if we follow the law, that it would lead us to God. But what we come to find is that we can never follow the law well enough. And the law will only lead us to death. But Jesus, the Word, the Logos, this Jesus can bring us to God. Jesus is the only one who has seen God, but now he has made him known to us. And so if you'll bear with me one more time, if someone had been there at the very beginning, when of course no one was there at all, but if they could have recorded it and told us what happened, they would have told us God and Jesus, somehow not two things, but one thing. And that this Jesus is the one who's at the center of the world holding everything together. He's bringing light and life to each of us. And finally and fully, Jesus is revealing God to us. We thought we knew what it meant to see God, but now we see clearly because of who Jesus is. I think this is a very powerful opening to the Gospel of John. Uh, it, it's one of the most poetic, one of the most theological, one of the most Christological passages in all the New Testament. And John wants us to know that we need to know who this Jesus is. If we're going to understand anything about who God is, we have to go back to the very beginning. We have to read all, everything in light of Christ. But of course, I told you our goal at the beginning of this series, our goal every week is going to be to try to help us love one another and to love God better. And so I hope by spending this time in John chapter 1 this morning, you have seen more clearly who God is through the person of Jesus. I hope that John's words are alive and well to you, and that you can see and hear who this Jesus is through these words. Now I'd like to push us towards an understanding of how we can love one another. John, of course, wrote the Gospel of John, but he's credited with other books in the New Testament as well, and I'd like to turn our attention to 1 John, one of the letters that John wrote. It's found towards the end of your New Testament, if you'd like to turn over uh, and find it there, but the words should also be on the screen behind me. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, John writes these words. He says, Dear friends, let's love each other, because love is from God. And everyone who loves is born from God and knows God. The person who doesn't love does not know God because God is love. This is how the love of God is revealed to us. God has sent his only son into the world so that we can live through him. And this is love. It's not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the sacrifice that deals with our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us this way, then we also ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God remains in us. And his love is made perfect in us. I hope you hear the overlapping language that John uses here in 1 John. He, he begins to tell the story at the opening of his gospel of who Jesus is. And by the time he writes this letter, he fully wants us to know what it means to follow this Christ. 
To follow Jesus means that we need to love, because that's who God is. God is the one who's bringing light into the darkness. He's the one who's holding all of creation together. He's the one who's revealing who God is clearly to us. And once we understand who God is and who Jesus is, now Jesus sets us free to love one another. So the easiest example that I can come up with this morning to encourage us to do this, to love one another, the easiest example that I can think of is to simply love the person that you arrived at the building with today. Now, of course, I say that's easy, but we know that love is anything but easy. It takes time, and it takes effort, it takes work. And so maybe you arrived here today with a spouse or a child or a family member. And if you did, then you know that it's going to take a lot of work to love that person well. To love that person where their needs are more important than your own needs. Jesus tells us that if we want to know God, if we want to see God, then we need to love one another. John echoes this in this letter. That's the easiest example I can think of. And it's still pretty difficult. But of course, Jesus isn't settling for what's easy. He's settling for what's best. And so Jesus encourages us not only to love the person that we arrived here today with, the person who it may be easiest for us to love, even though it's quite difficult still. Jesus also challenges us to love our enemies. To love the people that we struggle with. The people who test our patience. The people who get on our nerves. Who cause us to have anxiety and stress. And Jesus continues and he says to love your enemies. And so, if love is our task today, and if love is our task throughout this series, to love God and to love our neighbors, then we can start with loving the person that we arrived here with today. But we're not done there. Because Jesus calls us all the way to the point of loving our enemies as well. And we should do this because of who Christ is. Because of who John tells us Jesus is. Because of what we understand when we read the story of Jesus, when we hear about who this Christ is and what he has done for us. That somehow, Jesus was there in the beginning. And if somebody could have recorded it and said it, they would have said that it was God and Jesus somehow one and not two. And that Jesus is the one who is holding everything together. He's bringing light into the darkness, thereby giving us life instead of death. And finally and fully revealing who God is. And once we understand that, he sets us free to love one another and to share the message of who this Jesus is with the people who need it most around us. Today, as we begin to prepare our hearts and our minds for the communion service, I'd like to invite you uh, to, to remember back a couple of months ago. We uh, did this a couple of months ago. We're going to repeat it again today. And our elders are going to gather here in the front in just a few moments. And they're going to serve us communion today. And they're going to do it because uh, this is what it means to follow Christ, is to love one another. And so when we engage in communion together and participating in who Christ is, it's important for us to remember that this is not a solitary act. While it is something that we do ourselves, but it's also a communal act. It's something that we do together. And so as people who want to practice the love of Christ, we're going to share this meal together. And they're going to serve you bread. And they're going to serve you the cup. And so here's the moment. I'm going to invite us row by row. Uh, John Mark and I will dismiss us uh, from the front to the back. And what we're going to do is we're going to ask you to come down the center line and be served at either table on one side. And then return back to your seat on the outside of the room. 
And for those who want to stay where you're seated, we will have people who are ready to come and serve you in your seats as well. So whenever it's your rose turn uh, to stand and come down front, if you would just stay where you're seated, uh, they'll bring the communion meal to you as well. And as we do this, our praise team is going to lead us in song. And I encourage you and I invite you to participate in singing these songs with them. But I also encourage you, if you would rather, to simply reflect on the words, to listen to the music, and to pay attention to who this Jesus is. And so here, in just a moment, I'm going to invite us to do that. But as we do, my prayer for us is that our hearts will be open to understanding who this Christ is, who Jesus is, who the Word is. And because of that, we will know who our God is and what He has asked us to do in the world around us. Would you join us in singing together as we prepare for the community? 